This is a headgum podcast. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're not just super. They're not just special. They're the super specials. Now, Jack. Yeah, okay. You and I have. Uh, I have a bone to pick with you. You and I have a Me? disagreement. What? Why? Before we started recording just now, okay, we were having our weekly discussion mm-hmm. about our lives and our interests, mm-hmm. and you said that you think the name of the segment, uh, Slabius Porpoise, <laughs> yeah. is bad. I didn't even say that. I didn't even think that it was something we were going to debate. I said, oh, before we start, we should quickly think of another name for that segment so we never have to say Slabius Porpoise again. And got some surprising. No, we've got a a name for that segment. Yeah. It's called Slabius Porpoise. Uh Settled. Yeah. Signed, sealed, delivered. Beloved. People love it. Yeah. Slabius porpoise. Is it because it makes so much sense or just because the, the, they think the porpoise is cute or what? I think a little bit of everything. Yeah. It's got the court thing, which people love. Yeah. You know, it's got a rich mythology around it. <laughs> Slay, queen. <sighs> which is not what burn is. Slay is, a, is when you do a good job. Anyway, if you can think of something better, that's fine. But I think Slabius porpoise is pretty good. Okay. And I think you can. Okay, great. We'll bleep that. <laughs> hi, hi, and hi, hi, welcome, and welcome to the Babysitters, to the Babysitters Club. Babysitters Club Super Club. Bad. Come on, man. You know what you do. You know what I know, you do. I did it. No, you did. I it. did it this week. No, I just did the rest as well. No, let's try it again. Hi, hi, and welcome to the Babysitters Club Super Club. That's. The ticket. It's not nice to say hi hi again. Guess what, super babies? There are no rules. Hello, campers and counselors. We could do whatever the fuck we want. Und willkommen Sie auf. No, that's all we got. We're not D. Babysitters Club Super Club. This week, we're talking about a book called Snowbound. It was written by, as you probably know, someone that we call the Ocean Princess. The Laughing Mirror, the Space Mountain, the Fast-Fingered Swordman, the Condor in the Squall, and the Knife Martin Frugalmaster. I hope Anne, I hope someone out there at some point Mm -hmm. makes Anne aware of these. The things that we call her. And like the old ones from the old show. Mm Mm-hmm. The ancient texts. The Babysitter's Club. The Ur Club. texts. Mm-hmm. Uh, those were fun and made sense. And like you could, if you were Anna and Martin, you could conceivably suss out the origin of some of those. In like a way that would probably be worrying if you were Anna and Martin, because she'd be like, how do they know I'm afraid of bats? <laughs> yeah. This new series of names, yeah. epithets, is difficult. It's, it, it's what Anna wants us to call her. It's what she's right. put in these novels week after week. We I find found, them. I think I found, here's the thing, is the epithets are getting harder and harder to parse from the monsters right. and the beasts. Yeah. 
But I think I found the epithet this week. Okay. And so let me ask how this jumps out at you. Okay. Carter, thank heavens, he said, reaching for the baby. Where did you find him? He asked me. Right here. I just opened my eyes and here he was. The man shook his head smiling. Carter is our little night owl. (laughs) The little night owl? Yeah, I think owls eat bats. Oh, they do. Yeah. Interesting. I've never known Anne to be so cute with her episodes before, though. Well, I mean, nor have I, but she delivered it to us. That's what she... I think owls eat bats. I like it. Let Let me give you my contender, and then we can decide between them. Okay. Let's make a snowman, added Gabby. Or a whole snow family, cried Myria. Mariah. We fucking got to the bottom of this in the last series, and I can't remember where we landed. It's Mariah. Cried Mariah, spelled M-Y-R-I-A-H. Mirabilis is wonderful or amazing. That's part of the quote? No, that's the root of her name. Okay. A snow mommy and a snow daddy and three snow girls and a snow dog and two snow cats. Tanner, I think Anne wants us to call her snow mommy. (laughs) Snow mommy. Snow mommy's pretty good. And it kind of fits with this recurring visual that she brings back over and over again, which is the snow golems. Snow golems, which recur in this text, something that we'll be talking about. So I don't know. I'm I'm agnostic. What do you think? The little night owl or snow mommy? I'm agnostic as well. And I think this is fluid. Mm-hmm. I think it's permeable. I think each week we can come back and we can have the list in front of us. I Here's what I think, Jack. Yeah. I think when we hit week 10, right. we're going to have so many epithets that it's going to become difficult to get through them all. It's going to become unwieldy. Right. And I think if you've got a list of epithets out in front of you, you can kind of pick and choose a la carte yeah. which ones you want to go with, which like half a dozen or so you want to interact with that week. That makes a lot of sense. And you know what it reminds me? So why don't we add them both? Yeah. It reminds me of something that you brought up in a previous Babysitter's Club Super Club, which is the character Princess... Mononoke. Monon- from Studio Ghibli. No. Um, from... Miyazaki. Wizard of Oz. Oh, sure. Return to Oz. Return to Oz. Who puts on a diff... What, what's her name? Ma- mean Lady from Return... Mombi. 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 Everyone gets mad when I Google without singing the song. Not me. <laughs> it's very disruptive. Like, I Googled Princess Mombi just now, and you wouldn't even know it because I just quietly typed it in. All around me, <laughs> no. familiar faces, Jack okay. Googles, Jack Googles. But that's what Anne is like. She puts on a different face. She puts on a different face depending on how she's feeling. All of these epithets are different sides of her personality. You know what else it reminds me of? It reminds me of the He-Man character, Man E Faces. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a similar you like you'd hit the little button on his lower back yeah. and his face would spin around in his dumb little like conical helmet. That's who Ann is. Manny Faces was his name? I think so, yeah. Cuz they were all some kind of a man and someone was like, "Manny is kind of like man." Man E Faces. It's like Ann M. Martin. Man. Yeah. E. Faces. Mm. He-Man. 
Yeah, let's not stray too far because I'd love to talk yeah, about no, this you're novel. Right. Okay. Man dash E dash faces. And you hit a little button and his dumb little here's the faces he has. Man. Mm-hmm. Robot. Mm-hmm. Lizard. That's a lot like Anne. I'm looking at a little gif of him here. Yeah. <laughs> Good. Great. It's what all of us have. So it's 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 this is a all this is a Jung Jung talked about this. That's right. The masks we wear. The our man face. Yeah. Our l- robot face. Our robot face and our lizard face. Yeah. What are what face are you wearing today, Super Baby? Think about what face you put on this morning. Did you put on your I man face? I pretty much always have my lizard face on. Yeah, I always have my man face on. I reserve my man face for Jamie. Oh really? We're in the bedroom together. Oh. <laughs> Does she like it? No. <laughs> Do the lizard face again, please. <laughs> Tanner, this week we read a novel. It was called Snowbound. It was very good. I was slacking with you on our company Slack today. Yes. And I said, it was very good. We were talking very earnestly about how we yes. enjoyed it. It was a it was good. Tasteful I to, novel. Um I went to Lilith's Victorian establishment and got the lunch special, a cucumber sandwich, french fries, and a Lagunitas beer. Mm-hmm. Had a leisurely lunch, mm-hmm. pushing an hour and a half, mm-hmm. where I sat and finished this book. Yeah. It's great. It's a good read. Went back to work, chatted with you, said, finish the book. Yeah. Talked you about- were only about a third of the way through it, I think you said. Pokemon a lot. Jack is playing Pokemon for a future project that we're working on mm-hmm. that we'll actually probably reveal at the end of this episode so that... Because last time we didn't reveal a pilot, everyone was upset because they all read the book. Oh, yeah. I wasn't expecting that. Sorry about that, Super Babies. That, but I just wasn't Super Babies, expecting next it. Week's, next week's episode is going to be another pilot. Yeah. So don't read the book. Yeah. I mean, do, but... Do, do, but you've got an extra week. Yeah. Anyway, we both read the book. We both liked it. I liked it. You liked it. Super Babies liked it. Let's talk about it. Do we want to describe it? Yeah. You describe it, then I'll describe it. Okay. Who goes first? You go first. We've been doing this for fucking th- three years. Okay. And do you want to do the segment intro? Oh, wait. Oh, oh. Babies and gentlemen, welcome to the 90-second rundown. Yeah. Okay. So you're doing your 90 seconds first? As... Oh, here's the part where I explain what that is. The 90-second rundown is a segment with the, where the, your headliner, Jack Shepard. We didn't even introduce ourselves. I'm Jack Shepard. I'm Tanner Greenring. Jesus, we're really falling off. Well, your headliner, Jack Shepard, describes his novel in 90 seconds. It will be the fastest, most furious, most exciting seconds of your life. But before we do that, let me introduce my opening act, the one, the only, Tanner Daniel Greenring. Hello, everyone. He's going to describe the book, too. Um, you guys watching the news? <laughs> You guys see this? <laughs> Apparently, um, uh, Mueller has been up to quite a bit lately. You guys read about this? It's Mueller. Mueller has been up to a lot lately. You guys read about this? You hear about this? <laughs> That's good. Um, ma- uh, Manny faces more like... <laughs> Should I just do my recap? That was great. I fucking loved that. Yeah, I didn't really have... It wasn't really going anywhere. I wanted to dwell in it some more. Yeah. Ta- uh, 
Manny faces, uh, that guy should talk to Cohen. <laughs> okay. Because he's got they're both faces. villains. Okay. Don't you think? It's both topical and incredibly off topic. It's good. Oh, I also think he was a good guy. Manny faces? No. Well, yeah. no, I think the man face was good. I think the lizard face and the robot face were bad. I think he's a skeleton. Affiliation, player. heroic warriors. You're saying that's the bad guy in He-Man? Yeah, the good guys that's are... That's the bad um, group? Skeletor is just trying to reclaim his rightful post in Sorry, Castle Sorry, man, Faces was a friend of He-Man. Right. Who's this usurper, who's this despotic prince who's trying to consolidate power. Oh, 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 I see. You're, you're doing like the... Um, Oh, actually, Judas was the hero of the Bible. Kind of yeah, thing. that's what I'm doing. Tanner, why don't you describe this novel? You just want me to do it off the top of my head. Off the top of your dome. Whatever just comes into your mind. Don't think. Don't overthink it. Okay. I'll cue up some music. Stony Brook, Connecticut. The crown jewel of New England. Where the laughter of children can be heard. Where the skies are always sunny. And the streets are always clear. For the girls of the Babysitter's Club, life could not be more idyllic, especially with the Winter Wonderland dance just around the corner. But when the barometric pressure drops, the quiet village of Stony Brook, Connecticut is thrown into chaos. As flurries become blizzards, civilization grinds to a halt, and the girls of the Babysitter's Club need to fight for their very survival. A family trapped in their home with no electricity and few provisions eyes one another hungrily. A young woman entombed in a car with her mother, teetering on the edge of consciousness as she slips into a diabetic shock. A jumbo jet, Flight 118 from Palo City, California, burns through its supply of fuel as it circles the skies above Connecticut, waiting for a break in the weather. And a young woman, forced to cohabitate with a boy she likes even though he might see her in her pajamas. This is a story of survival, a story of perseverance, a story of looking Mother Nature in the eye and refusing to blink. This is Babysitter's Club, super special, number seven, Snowbound. What do you think about Tour de Force? Annie faces. Ooh, right. I like that a lot. It's good because it's, Anne kind of has multiple. Faces, that's why we're right? talking about Manny faces, Tanner. Right. We weren't just talking about it. It was in relation to Anne. So now there's three epithets this week. Annie faces. I just want to kind of sit with that for a little bit. Let it percolate. See what it does. Annie faces. Annie faces. It's not Anne and Martin. It's Anne E. Faces. Right, because she's got the human face. The lizard face. The lizard face and the robot face. Yeah. Which face will she Man bring Man E. Faces is best friends with Ram Man. Oh, I like Ram Man. He's small. Um, he's stocky. According to the wiki Grayskull. Anne this week brought her lizard face, which is the face that she brings when she is confronting the girls with chaotic forces of nature. That's every single one of these baby these super the specials. Super specials Jack. are often that. 
Yeah. The super specials are often that. I've noticed that. And I, I'm starting to think – so Super Babies, you will doubtless know that each week we we have a monster and a beast and we're going to get into that in due time. But I think that these monsters and these beasts that Anne introduces in these super specials are for her metaphors or embodiments of the chaos of the natural world. That's what okay. the super specials are about. It's about the natural world impinging on our fragile civilization. Right. We're talking about, in the first book, death and frailty. There was Mark Kubaki with his his frail body. Right. There was Christie's friend, the old man, whose wife died. Right. There was the looming threat of the boat sinking at any moment. Right. And then in book Camp two, Mohawk, it's this lake. Yeah, and murderers. This lake and the murderers around the lake that the girls walk, it's like into the wild. Mm. They walk into this wilderness and each of them confronts the darkness and the wildness that's inside themselves in the form of this lake and what it brings. Right. Book three was um, snow. Snow. (laughs) Snow much, so much snow. Snow is back. Snow is back, but it's better than ever. It's snowbound. They get so fucking rocked by the snow. Before they were in an unfamiliar situation where it's like, yeah, snow could get us here. We're in the mountains of Vermont. But now snow comes to them. Snow is at the center of this novel. It's this this novel is this like incredible centripetal force. That the girls are are caught in and whirling around and around. And at the center of it is this snow, is this storm at the middle of it all that's pulling each character inexorably into its void, into its chaos, into its danger. And the girls, in a way that's not true with the other super specials, each of them has to face this danger alone. Right. They each get – they're each isolated from one another. It's a, it's a powerful choice by Anne. It's something she's never done before. We get – each babysitter plays a starring role, but each of them is facing their nightmare, their nightmare with nature in their own way. Yes. Yes, that's true, except a couple of them have fairly overlapping stories. Yeah, Marianne and Mal and Mal are, are, are both trapped together. in the house with the pike. And Christy and Jesse, even though they are in separate locations, do have the exact same plot line, which is they are trapped in a place with the boy a that boy. they have a crush on. Right. Yeah, and actually, for that matter, Don and Stacy kind of are in the same situation where they get they get trapped outside of their home, but they face it alone. Let's let's talk about that in the form With of their my ninety second rundown. Oh, right, you hadn't even done yours yet. God, we were just so caught up. Like yeah. it's one of those things where it's like you go to a show to see the headliner, yeah, but then the opening act is so good, and you're just like, God, I just love those dudes. Like, actually, you know what? Let's just go out to the lobby and try to catch those opener dudes on their way out and get their autograph. I don't think and it's like, it's fine if we don't even see the headliner because we just really love that opening act so much. I don't think that's... And you know what? I've seen the headliner before and they're good, but I was just so wowed by that opening act. I don't think that's what it's like. I think maybe they buy your CD at the merch table. Yeah, that too. Maybe. And they get me to sign it. They maybe. wait for me outside. I don't think so. I think they're excited for the 90-second rundown. That's what they've been waiting for. Everybody's a little drunk, and maybe they're a little tired. Yeah. And maybe some people are going home because they, like, they're like they older than they used to be, and like they didn't realize the show was going to run so late. Right. 
Uh, what about I describe the book? Sure, better late than never, I guess. You're just like that band who went on at two in the morning. Yeah, and it's worth a wait. Starting the clock okay. in five, four, three, two, one. A storm is coming to Stony Brook. At first, everyone seems fine. Nobody's worried. Maybe we'll have a snow day. Maybe it'll be fun. Maybe we'll go sledding. But then the storm hits. It's worse than anyone ever expected. Each babysitter must face their own trial, the fate of the storm that is coming towards them. Stacy goes out with her mom to the mall. They can't get back. They get stranded in a car, and they almost freeze to death, and they run out of gas, and it's fucking terrifying. Dawn goes to pick up Jeff at the airport. She gets stranded at the airport. Jeff gets rerouted to Washington, D.C. Dawn's stuck at the airport. Marianne and Mallory are babysitting the Pikes while the Pike parents are in New York City. The Pikes can't get back. Marianne and Mallory have to look after the Pikes by themselves, and the power goes out. No food. Jesse is at ballet, ballet practice, and she's hoping to get back because Quint is visiting from New York. She gets stranded at ballet practice with a bunch of kids. She has to babysit them using her fucking babysitting skills, and then guess who shows up? Quint, because he walked from the train station, and it's pretty incredible. Christy Baller. invited Bart over for dinner. Awkward. And then Bart gets, gets stranded trapped. at her house, and he has to stay over, um, and she has to wear makeup in the morning, and then Claudia gets stranded with the Perkins family... Uh, in a very similar way to the Pikes, and everything's okay. Stacy gets rescued and doesn't die. The end. Okay. Beep 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 beep. What do you think? You did a good job. Let's see. Are there any babysitters you missed? You got? Oh yeah, you missed one. No, I got Claudia, Christy, Jesse. You got Claudia, Mallory. I don't yeah. think you said Claudia. I said Claudia's stranded. So Claudia's babysitting for the Perkins kids. Yeah, and. Their parents can't also can't get home. It's also it's the same as the it's Pikes. the same as the Pikes, except not as interesting. Like nothing. There happens. were so many cool things that could have happened to all these girls. Yeah. Like Claudia is on her way to the library, and the freeze hits, and these Arctic wolves start chasing her, and she needs to run into the library. Yeah, yeah. Stacy could have like built an igloo. Or it could have oh, yeah. been like Jack London's to to start a fire, you know? Like she spends the whole time trying to like light a match and at the last second the snow from the tree falls on it and that oh, she and her mom both brutal. freeze to death. Jesse could have gone out into the wilds of Stanford looking for Quint. Yeah. And realize that she was going to freeze to death and cut open her tauntaun with her lightsaber and crawled inside of him. Or, no, she finds Quint frozen in the cave with that monster. Right. And cuts open the tauntaun and puts Quint inside. Oh, and keeps him alive. To keep him alive, keep him warm. That would be great. Right? But they didn't... But then they just did all these, like, very similar... It was essentially three plot lines, but, like... Two babysitters assigned to each plot line. It's a powerful novel. Stacy says that this is more frightening than the time that those girls got stuck on the island. Oh, you know what Stacy's story is like? It's like Cujo. Because they're trapped in the car, sure. They're trapped in the car with just the wild encroaching upon them. I was going to say it was like Con Air. Dawn's story is like Con Air. No, Stacy's is. Because do you remember that there was one very minor plot point in Con Air is that one of the nice cons has diabetes? Oh, yeah. And they like they get stuck in that like trash yard. And yeah. He starts to go into like 
a sh- shock. So Anne tantalizes us. Tantalizes. With this yeah. Morsel, which is Stacy's going to get trapped in a car. And you know, Stacy, she's got diabetes. She could die. But it actually is not a point of tension at all because Stacy does have her insulin kit with her. She has her insulin kit, but they get hungry. They're worried about not having enough food to sustain themselves. And then the fucking car runs out of gas and the heat stops working. And then a deus ex machina walks out of the blizzard in the form of Ken Shavone. A man named Ken Shavone. Kev Shavone. Ken. Ken Shavone. Ken Shavone. Are you Googling it or you just wanted to No, no, no. I just was singing the song because it sounds like My Sharona. No, it doesn't. I know it's confusing because it's the, also the Tanner Google song, but I just wanted to say, do 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 No, and now you're singing again. do 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 Ken Chavone. You know Chavone is an anagram for anchovies? Now, is it is that interesting? <laughs> it's more interesting than what you were saying. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting. He comes and saves them, <laughs> brings them to his country home where he cares for them. Yeah, he nurtures them back to health. This was a novel about heroic men. Yes, finally. Finally. <laughs> finally. And, and this, is, this is Anne's genius. This is what Anne does. Is She's not content with just going along to get along. She wants to turn things upside down. She wants to right. subvert our expectations. What if for once, she says, what if for once we have a novel where the men are heroes? Yeah. You got Ken Shavone. Ken Shavone saves Stacy and her mom. Yeah. Logan oh, cross country skis to the Pike House. Hashtag swoon. With a I'm I am in a desert yeah. right now. Do we have a way of getting into this segment? <laughs> Yeah, we just go. And there's like a glug, glug, glug sound. Yeah. I'm, I am in a desert, and I am parched, and I am so thirsty for Logan. What do you say, that you're immersed in thirst? I am immersed in thirst for Logan Bruno. Fucking, so Marianne and Mallory are looking after the Pike kids, and there are so many children. If it were a different babysitting job, I wouldn't have believed this. They run out of food. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's literally one well, they night. Do, they do set up at the very beginning, like Mrs. Pike is <laughs> was leaving. Was supposed to go to like, the grocery store, yeah. She's like, I didn't manage to go to the grocery store. Yeah. But even we're so, be gone. it's like most families, it's like you got some beans or something, right? But they're like, right. we're out, we're out. We fed them all the food. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, you have nine children. And Marianne calls Logan up in the morning, and it's like, I'm so hungry. And Logan's like, love ya. And then an hour later, shows up on fucking cross-country skis. With a knapsack full of food. Yeah. It was cool. I was so disappointed in the food that he brought. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and then like Nikki, like it's like peanut butter and celery stick. Yeah. And Nikki's like, finally, real food. (laughs) And it's like, what? Bring some fucking pancakes man right anyway um mr spear comes over to check on marianne the night before and she sends him away yeah well let me and then let me tell you this next one yeah that is also this is my immersed in thirst and i have a passage that's also a knight in shining armor this man let's hear it for the boys yeah 
Let's give the boys a hand. Men are finally getting their due. <laughs> it's troubling how easy this character seems to be for you. <laughs> yeah, it comes a little too naturally. <laughs> Let me read you this passage and tell me if you are also immediately immersed in thirst. So Jesse is at dance rehearsal in Stamford, and none of the parents are able to pick up their kids. It, the snowstorm is fucking crazy. It's sudden and it's yeah. brutal, and all of a sudden there's a foot of snow on the ground. It's just twelve inches of snow, and it's like blinding. No say, Daddy, me snow me gonna play on. I lick your bum bum down. Detective man, me say, Daddy, me snow me start a someone down the lay on. I lick your bum bum down. That's a great karaoke song, and I'm impressed that you know so much of it. And I wish that. You still lived in New York so we could do that at karaoke. <laughs> I would love that so very much. But so no one can come and pick them up. So they're all just like all of these kids aged like four to 11 are stuck in the dance studio. Mademoiselle Noel is looking after them. And Jesse is terrified because Quint is about to show up at Stanford Station from New York and no one's going to be able to pick him up. And she's terrified that he's just going to get, like, stuck in a station in the middle of the night with no way to get home and nowhere to go. And also no way to contact her family to come pick him right. up. Because um, the phones are all out. So that's – and then the power goes out. It's fucking terrifying. We're all worried about Quint. And then the following thing happens. 20 minutes later, the children were calmer. Some of them seemed to be enjoying the adventure. I decided to try calling Quint at the train station. I stood up. I'll be right back, I said to Holly. But she wasn't listening to me. She was staring at the doorway to the room. Who? Who is that? She whispered. I turned around. In the doorway. Can you do some swelling music here? Yeah. In the doorway stood... I ran to him and threw my arms around him. He was snow-covered and frozen, but he seemed fine. How did you get here? I cried. I walked. Quint replied through chattering teeth. When your dad didn't show up, I figured he couldn't drive in the snow. So I asked a guy at the train station for directions to the dance school. And here I am. That's Quint. Hashtag swoon. Hashtag swoon. Later in the epilogue. Speaking of swelling. In the epilogue to this novel, after they all, uh, everybody survives and they go to the dance, Jesse's epilogue is a little note that says the following. Heaven. I'm in heaven. The dance was wonderful. Quint is wonderful. Mm. I agree. Immerse and Thirst. Yep. You mentioned Jesse. Yep. You mentioned Jesse's dance uh-huh. school. Uh-huh. She was in Stamford at dance school yes. preparing for the winter recital uh-huh. where they're performing the Nutcracker Suite. Uh-huh. And Jesse is playing a character oh, yes. that I would like to talk about. Yep. But it, it first, I think we need to introduce a, a, our hit segment. Right. Sound effect, sound effect, sound effect. The Monster. So, each week, Baby Nation, sorry, Super Babies, Anne introduces in these novels one monster and one beast that she expects us to find. Right. 
And this week, Anne E-Faces made it pretty clear <laughs> who the Beast was. Yes. And it was actually Jesse. Right. With this facade on, mm-hmm. this character she was playing right. in the Nutcracker. Yes. I was one of the BSC members who would have had to miss the Wednesday meeting if Christy had decided to hold it. My ballet lessons are very important to me, and so are the productions I dance in. I've performed parts in The Nutcracker many times, but this was the first year I was cast as the The, King of the Mice. Right, the Mouse King. Yes. The Mouse King. And it's interesting in the context of a, a thing that happens in this novel that is strange and unexplained which is that all the animals go missing yes that's true all the animals go missing they know something they know that this storm is more than what it seems chewy disappears uh the the rat emily emily jr jr disappears it's like they can feel it's like they know society is about to collapse and they they begin to revert to their feral states right Right, which is exactly playing into the Mouse King's hands. Right. These... I've never seen the Nutcracker, have you? No. Okay, so neither of us can speak on this with any authority. No. <laughs> oh, do you th- well, yeah, what's the Mouse King all about? Nutcracker. Mouse King. Let me tell you what he's about. Yeah. It's King of the Mice. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Okay, so do you know what the Nutcracker is about? It's about these Nutcrackers that come alive and... Yes, and how big are Nutcrackers? Uh, I would say eight eight to ten inches. About the size of small toys? Yeah. About the size of uh, mice? Right. Oh, bad for mice. So it's about these Nutcrackers that are trying to eat these mice. I'm just very quickly glancing at a Wikipedia article, but I think the nutcrackers come alive and try to eat and do war on mice. Oh, no. Okay. That's awful. That's so gruesome. So in a lot of ways, the king of the mice is like the um, resistance skeletor of the nutcracker suite. The nutcrackers are the he-man. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So you're probably on the side of the mouse king. Oh, yeah, definitely. You've got these right. uh, sugar plum fairies that are like Tila. Tequila? Do you not know your He-Man? <laughs> like Tila and Orko. Oh, uh, Orko, I know. He's the <laughs> little guy with the the robe and the big O on the front. Yeah. Yeah. Bad. Bad news. No, Orko's good. He's on the side of He-Man. Oh, right. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> What's difficult about this conversation for me is I don't know much about He-Man <laughs> and less about the Nutcracker. Yeah. And to have you subverting the entire thing makes it very difficult for yeah. me. And it also probably loses 90% of our audience. Yeah. <laughs> but so we got this Mouse King. I'm, I'm agreed with you on that. I wrote down the Mouse King. I have... Sorry, I, the original title hmm. for the Nutcracker yeah. was the Nutcracker and the Mouse King. Why, why did he get erased from history? It was a story by someone called E.T.A. Hoffman that Tchaikovsky adapted into a ballet. It was like it shortened did, to the Nutcracker. This is great, but we're going to get rid of the mouse stuff. People like cracking nuts. Nobody likes yeah. mice. <laughs> it just seems fucked up. That does seem fucked up. It's like if He-Man was originally called He-Man and Skeletor. He-Man and it probably Skeletor. was. <laughs> Too much He-Man lore in this book. Let's talk about the monster. 
here's an obvious one. Yeah. Hey, Claire, did you know that if we get enough snow, the abominable snowman appears? Right. He does, answered Claire. Yep. He rises out of the snow in the yard. Then he comes in the house and turns children under six into popsicles. Yeah. Oh, yeah, replied Claire. How can he come inside? He'd melt. He's not the abominable snowman. He's magic, Adam told her. You mean like Frosty? Yes, only Frosty is nice, and the abominable snowman is a monster. A monster. Yep. I think that's our monster this week and made it pretty explicit. It's the abominable snowman. They get into the abominable snowman lore a lot in this novel. A lot of stuff I had never heard about the, oh, yeah. the character before. Yeah, he steals homework. Right. He turns kids under six into popsicles and he steals homework. He steals homework. And he waits till you're done with it. He has to steal homework before kids hand it into their teachers. Then he yells at them. Do it over. Yeah. Does he come into your room, Claire persisted? It depends on where your homework is. It's in your school locker. He goes into your locker. If it's at home, he goes into your bedroom. Oh, and he, he likes darkness. Here's a problem with this new lore. Yeah. Is why not just take your homework and throw it in a volcano? Oh, well, that's how you would defeat him. Because then he'll just jump into the volcano that's after good. your homework. That's great. And he'll die. That's fucking great. Right? But why is he after the homework in the first place? This is good. You're, I think you're onto something. But why is he after the homework? Kids' homework? There's something so creepy about it. Oh, that. except, you know what? You know what? You've seen Jason X, right? So in here's space? what's going to happen. Yeah. It'll be eons from now, and Earth will have exploded. Yeah. And the Abominable Snowman will be floating in entombed in rock in space, and a like Junker spacecraft will pick it up. A junker space cap full of like space teens will pick it up, right, and thaw out Abominable Snowman, and he'll stalk and kill them on their ship. That's likely. So, looking for their homework. That's already been set up for us in Jason X. Yeah. So that's actually not a solution. Babysitters Club Super Special X is kind of that. Yeah. I will read that, and I will enjoy it. Yeah. A lot of people will have jumped off the Babysitters. Club Super Special train by then, but I'm right. gonna be one of the folks. It's like I think she's still I'm got still it. in it. I'm... Or you could be like a young Tanner Greenring and skip most of the oh, and just start with Tanner's Tanner's Club Super Specials and just dive in right at Super Super, super special, special X. X. God, yeah. I can't wait for Super Special X, and I hope that you're putting the finishing touches on it now. Um, so very clearly, Anne didn't pull any punches this week in terms of the monster and the beast. She literally named a monster, and it's right. this snow golem, if you will. And maybe it's Stacy. Oh, interesting. They built a snow golem in Babysitter's Club Super Special number three. Right. Babysitter's Winter Vacation. And, and Stacy does rise from the snow. And then Stacy rises from the snow. Which is one of the criteria for... For being a snow golem. Cool. Yep. I love it. I think it. that's it. Uh, Jack, I think we should take a break. I would like that. I'm going to go take a peep. I'm going to go take a beer. Okay. I don't... I just don't... I don't like how you describe either of those things for how different How would you reasons. prefer that I describe them? Um, I'm going to micturate. Okay. And um, enjoy a... Adult beverage. Okay. I would say an adult beverage. Goodbye. Tanner. Hi. I would like to talk to you about something that comes up twice in this novel. 
that I found baffling and surprising and interesting and mysterious. That's a lot of adjectives. Yeah. I, I When I get nervous, I just kind of layer on the modifiers. What's making you nervous right now? Is it me? I'm... We're doing our podcast, man. This is thousands of people are going to listen to this. Makes you nervous? Yeah. Makes me excited. Okay. Not sexually. Don't make it sound like I that. didn't say that. You implied it with your tone. You walked you into went, it. You said it. Okay. You said it. I said, okay. And then you just went there. And now it's unfortunate. Now we lost half of our audience. It's not sexual. Well, this might be. Okay. On two occasions in this novel... Anne tantalizingly references a word of power, a secret word of power. Okay. But doesn't tell us what it is. I thought we could explore that together. Okay. I have it pulled up here. So it's two different occasions. I'm going to read you the first. Ready? Yes. Well, we did run into the cow mailbox. This is Dawn and her mom. They got into a crash on their way to the airport. We did run into the cow mailbox, but since we were moving so slowly, we barely bumped it. In fact, we touched it just hard enough so that some of the snow that had landed on the cow's head showered to the ground. Enough about this cow. (laughs) Yeah, it seems like you're going to skip the whole cow part. (laughs) It never comes back. (laughs) You know, it's like Chekhov's gun, but like, yeah. There's just, that's the last we hear of the cow. She's just really, she just wants to, it's a world building. Yeah, yeah. This person has a cow mailbox. That's what Anne does. Yeah. Anne's not just like, we ran into the neighbor's mailbox, and she's like, they got a cow mailbox. Right. And inside was six letters. Yeah. (laughs) Most junk mail, but one very important. (laughs) Nevertheless, I heard mom say a word I have never heard her use before. In fact... I've heard it only in movies that mom doesn't know I've seen. Mm. Mom! I gasped. I was more stunned by what she had said than by the fact that we'd had an accident while our house was still in view. What is that word? What the fuck is that word that Mrs. Schaefer Nay Porter said twice? Twice. Something that Dawn has only heard in movies. Now and she's, my, it's shocking. My mind immediately goes to Lovecraft, obviously. Yes. Yes. Right? Yes. Right. So, like, Lovecraft short stories are full of these supernatural manifestations and these things that are so horrifying that the mind cannot even perceive them. And that is kind of where I feel right. like this is coming from. It's like it's a word so grotesque. That Dawn's mind can't even. She can't comprehend it. She knows she's shocked. Right. But it's also, it's not the only mention of Lovecraft in this book, which is, again, what makes me feel like this is maybe a Lovecraftian sort of horror we're dealing with. Um, Because, bear with me, I just hit several wrong buttons. (laughs) Because a different Lovecraftian horror comes up in this book. Yeah. When Claudia is staying with Gabby and Mariah and the power goes out Mm -hmm. and the entire house is dark, uh, there you are, exclaimed Gabby, and there's Mariah, and here I am. She sounded amazed. Okay, we had light. They found flashlights. Now what? Put the girls to bed? Continue my search for Chewy? I decided the girls were my first priority, so I guided them carefully upstairs to their bedroom. 
They did not like getting ready for bed in the dark, and I couldn't blame them. This is scary, whispered. Let me start. Sorry, let me whisper. This is scary. Do it in a kid's voice. This is scary. <laughs> whispered Gabby, and she was right. I don't like walking around corners. Yes, said Mariah. Yes. You're right, I noticed it as well. Neither did I, says Claudia. Mm. Neither did I. No, none of us like walking around corners. Not when the hounds of Tindalos, who come out of the angles, out of the corners, right, are stalking these girls and us. Right. So yes. that's why th- this word of power yeah. feels very Lovecraftian to me. Yeah. Anne's already put us in that mind space. Right. That makes a lot of sense. It's whatever summons them. And I it, apparently I'm I'm reading here on the Wikipedia page what summons them is psychedelic drugs and esoteric artifacts. There you go. That's whatever's in that mailbox in that fucking cow mailbox. <laughs> well, you can't get more esoteric than that. Right. This guy got like some kind of weird like one of those drugs that the ADA hasn't scheduled yeah. yet. <laughs> yeah. That's like clearly like very bad for you and does very bad things to your head. Yeah. It's just some herb from like Peru and they haven't like figured it out yet. Don's mom like cooked up some kratom. <laughs> <laughs> Is that crocodile? No. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, crocodile. She like snorted <laughs> bath salts. <laughs> All right, let me read you this second word, secret word of power. I laughed. Okay, okay, just remember you're speaking to a person who ate a tiny bowl of instant oatmeal for breakfast, says Marianne. That's the street name. Yeah, instant oatmeal. (laughs) I just ate a tiny bowl of instant oatmeal. (laughs) I just smoked, I mean, ate a tiny bowl of instant oatmeal. Why are you eating that man's face? Uh, I just ate a tiny bowl of instant oatmeal. (laughs) Uh, that's this is Marianne t- complaining to Logan about how fucking hungry she is. Byron nudged me. Can I talk to Logan? He asked. Sure. I handed him the phone. Now, said Byron, you're speaking to a person who ate a single piece of bologna for breakfast. I don't know what Logan replied, but whatever it was, it made Byron laugh and exclaim, Oh, gross! <laughs> he gave the phone back to me. What so was apparently that? times were pretty tough over at the Bruno household. Yeah. Because they were eating something that made a young boy disgusted a young boy. Yeah. Well, do you think he maybe said me like a bonky? Okay. Huh. Oh, that's not how you would respond to that. No. You wouldn't say, oh, gross. No, not if you're sexually progressive like we are. No, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say, oh, gross. I would say, oh, I celebrate your humanity. Yeah. And your lust <laughs> and bully for you. Bully for you. I also I also enjoyed a bonky. I like it a bonky. It's on the t shirt. It's on the t shirt. <laughs> Can I very quickly take a quick detour to Debonky while we're there? Yeah, is this a segment? Uh I'm not sure. Could, should it be? I, yeah, it's called Me Like It a Bonky. Yeah. And this week, Marianne and Logan like it a bonky. Oh, they do. And it's in the epilogue of this book. Yeah. 
Um, the whole framing of this novel is that Christie is writing a story for the Stony Brook Gazette. This is so Christie. This is so Christie. The fucking the Stony Brook Gazette, like their report on this blizzard is like inclement weather strikes Stony Brook. And then Christie writes to this woman named Marion Tan, who's a reporter for the Stony Brook Gazette, and is like, you didn't tell the human side of the story. You didn't tell the people side of the story. And also, I have a really good story. It's what happened to the Babysitter's Club. Also, you should promote my club. Also, I can you pay me? Right. And then Marion Tan writes back, and she's like, yeah, I love that. Tell us your story, and I will pay you. Right. And then Christy decides somehow to also tell the story of like what happened at the dance. Yes. Solicits all these letters from her friends about what happened at the dance. And that is what makes up the epilogue. The epilogue is that. And like it's Marianne is like, I don't know why you want this in the Stony Brook Gazette. And it's like Marianne Tan doesn't want that either. She wanted like citizen journalism. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And here's what Marianne says. Yeah. The dance on Friday was wonderful. It was dreamy. Christy, you don't want all the details, do you? Uh, They're private. Yeah. Logan and I had fun. That's all. Yeah. Marianne. Yeah. So I think what happened here was potentially the monkey. <laughs> yeah. Don't you think? It sounds like Marianne and Logan... Like it a monkey. Yeah. Well, and who doesn't? And don't want M- Marianne Tan and the fucking Marianne Stony Tan Brook News to read about their escapades right. with the monkey. Yeah. No. Who so would? that's that's the the segment this week. Yeah. Me like it a monkey. Me like it a monkey. This week's nominees are called Marianne and Logan. Marianne and Logan. Sustained. Sustained. Um, so we don't know what Logan said to Byron. I guess if it grossed him out, it's probably also some Lovecraftian thing. It's just some. Well, like, so horror. here's he the describes thing. some horror. He said some Cthulhu shit. The hounds of Tindalos use their hollow tongues or proboscises mm-hmm. to to drain the bodily fluids from their victims. Oh, so he just probably described that. Right. He was like, "Well, over here." Yeah. It was so dark, and none of us could even see the corners anymore. Right. And the House of Tindalos came. We didn't hear shit about what happened to Hunter in the snowstorm. He probably they, got, he was drained. They ex- excreted their blue ichor. Yeah. And they used their proboscises to drain his bodily fluids. Yeah. And Byron's like, oh, gross. Yeah. Tanner, I'd like to introduce a segment. Okay. I'm ready. Um, I don't know what it's called. It's a new segment. Oh, wow. Wow. We have so many segments. Yeah. Uh, Are you a new one? Yeah. All about fashion. Fashion forward. Hmm. Who's the fashionable one this week? Which is out of you or me? No. I think it's got to be you. You're wearing a nice little button. Who are you talking about? I want to talk about fashion in this novel. I've got a few things I want to talk about. Okay. I've got three specific things I want to talk about in relation to fashion in this novel. Okay. All about fashion. Fashion. All about fashion, he says several times. Okay. Um, if the fashion fits, no, that means you nothing. must acquit. 
<laughs> oh, you want to make it a, a court-themed segment. Of, oh, I forgot. Um, fashion felonies or fashion... Acquittals? <laughs> <laughs> fashion felonies is pretty good. Fashion felonies. Fashion felonies. Yes. So the whole, the whole framing of this segment is... One of us is a judge. Yeah. The other is a attorney. <laughs> oh, no. And they're bringing a piece of fashion to the judge, and the judge is deciding whether <laughs> it's to, a felony or to whether acquit. it's it's a sentencing <laughs> hearing, yeah, and whether it's an acquittal or the or a felony. Okay. That does that make sense? Yeah. Your Honor. Yes. <clears throat> yes. You're the Honorable Carl Lagerfeld. Oh. Uh huh. And I'm who's fashionable? District Attorney, um, the Sears Collection. Okay. What do you think about this? And what does it mean? Uh huh. I don't know about anyone else, but I was really looking forward to dressing up. I bought this black velvet knicker outfit. And was going to wear it with a lot of silver jewelry, including snowflake earrings. Is the point of this segment that you don't know what certain fashion is? Like certain things are? Because I think that we could just call it fashion felonies. And the whole thing is you're just like, ignorance is not. Oh, it's a felony that I don't know. Right. Okay. Because you you don't know a lot of fashion stuff. You explain it to me. And I'll explain it to you. Okay. Right. So this is fashion felonies. Yeah. Jack, the the fashion you were confused about is black Knicker, knickers. Black velvet knicker outfit. Right. That's the whole thing that she's wearing. Okay. A black velvet knicker outfit. Knicker is pants. Is underwear. Underpants. Right. Yeah. So I think she's wearing like a singlet of some sort. Like it's clearly underwear. Like it's got the shape and look of like men's briefs. Yeah, but it's black and it's velvet and it extends up. Oh, so it's underpants that extend all the way up, like in the right. way that mom jeans are, like right, like go up to the belly button. That this goes up to the neck and it's up, right. but it's underpants. No, yeah, and it's very tasteful, like up here. Like you've got like He's shoulder poofs and like maybe like yeah. a cool little like something going on with the the neckline. Yeah. It's very tasteful, and if you took like a waist-up photo, someone would yeah. say like, "Oh, she's dressed very smartly." Okay, but then when you do zoom out, you do see that it is—it's underpants. It's just underpants. Okay, right? All right, that makes sense. And then I think she's that's also what wearing knickers is silver jewelry. Right, she has to accessorize. Yeah, I think this is Claudia. Is it spelled like the the New York knickerbockers? Knicker, yeah, knicker. Knicker, yeah. Huh. All right, well, I've got another one for you that's very similar. There's two this week. There's three this week. Okay, I just looked up knickers. Yeah. Do you know, it's like a <laughs> it's like a newsy outfit, or like Go- a golfer outfit. Like, Google police are going to be on to you. You're like, they're going to be banging down your door. <laughs> Sir? <laughs> Sir, did you just Google image search for knickers? <laughs> Sir? I did it in incognito mode. <laughs> I would hate for my wife to know that I'm looking for this. It's essentially like a little like golfer outfit, like those little knee pants and a vest. I was on Tanner's and a computer, 
And I was trying to look up Nick's tickets, and it <laughs> auto-filled Nicker, Nicker pictures. <laughs> Should I be worried? <laughs> Dear r slash relationship. <laughs> Do you know the thing I'm saying? N- no, it's... It's, it's like what? a little newsboy golfer outfit. <laughs> okay. Like, blousey knee pants, a vest, a bow tie, and a little little newsboy cap that sounds terrible yeah okay so here's a second one that this one makes more sense to me and it's the second of three so what uh, your honor here's another fashion thing i don't know about okay We're have f- i committed a fashion felony yes okay go ahead for heaven's sake why are you wearing your sweater on your legs i asked mm. karen had put each of her feet through a sleeve of her sweater and was now struggling to hold the bottom of the sweater around her waist it's a new style, Karen replied. Sweater pants. She hobbled over to my desk. Can you button up the back, please? I think this is pretty innovative. I love it. And it I could have caught it. on. It clearly didn't because this was written in 1991, and I still don't. I don't see people wearing sweater pants today. It's better than like, a knicker outfit, right? Better than a knicker outfit. I think it sounds cool. Yeah. And sometimes I'm in my home and I'm getting cold, and I'm just like, I wish I had sweaters for my legs. Yeah. And Karen beat Karen me to it. Karen just does it. I think it's powerful. I think it's important. I think Sustained. It's sustained and acquittal. Acquittal. <laughs> We're going to work on how this segment works. And my final one, Tanner, is just a question. Or Sorry. Another one. Your honor, the honorable Carl Lagerfeld. Is that a fashion man? Yeah. No, you did a good job with that okay, one. Okay, good. Do perms smell like rotten eggs? Don't know. Does it, Do you know why I'm asking you that? Yeah, because Stacy goes to the mall to get a perm for the Winter Wonderland dance. Yeah. And comments several times, and those around her comment several times about the rotten egg smell. I could, I thought, she was like, I waited, and then like I finally sat down in the chair, it smelled like rotten eggs. And she doesn't gloss it at all. I, I thought that like the person b- before her had had an incident. Did like a toot? Okay, let's not be too graphic. But then later, she she gets the perm, and then her mom says, your hair, I know, my hair smells like rotten eggs. Well, yes, I giggled. I thought moms were supposed to be supportive. Your Honor, do perms, do perms smell like rotten eggs? I. So here's okay. the thing. Rotten eggs smell like what? Sulfur. Sulfur. What smells like sulfur? Sulfur. Hell. Uh, okay. Yeah. What comes from hell? The devil. The hounds of Tindalos. Yep. And the hounds of Tindalos. Okay. That's what that is. Everybody's like, oh, I don't know why my hair smells so bad. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I think they're just, they're all over this book this Good. week. And they're visiting all these girls in all of their, it materializes as smoke pouring from the corner. Yeah. And finally, the head emerges followed by the right. body, according and to you the smell sulfur. Wikipedia okay. page. The, yeah. So. That's what that is. I think that's what's happening okay. here. It's the hound. Okay, thank you, Your Honor. So uh, while I have you here, Your Honor, sustained. Um, I don't know if you're um, if you're equipped to handle a case like this, but I I came across a, a very serious case of slabius porpoise this week. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah, I think. <laughs> It's usually we've got another guy in the courtroom who does that stuff, but I think I can do okay. it. Yeah. 
Let's talk about your slave. It's very. I think somebody died. Okay. It was very bad, and somebody died. So I know normally I would take this like through the circuit courts, but I just don't have time. I just like I feel like now that I'm in a courtroom, uh, somebody probably died from this burn. Okay. Um, and I'd like to read it to you. This is a passage from the novel Babysitter's Club Super Special Number Seven: Snowbound. When the character Christy Thomas. Chrissy's arc in the story is really good. She like she invites Bart over for dinner, and it's like she's worries that it's too soon, and then they get snowed in, and he has to sleep over, and she just loses her fucking mind. And right. she like before bed like puts makeup on so that he doesn't see her walking to bed like au naturel. Yeah, <laughs> and then she sets her alarm for five in the morning so that she can like be like super primped up by the time he right. potentially might wake up. So she spends two hours in the bathroom putting on mascara and like combing her hair. I don't know. That's it. That's all yeah. she has. She's not a makeup person. Um, and then everybody starts waking up and like her brothers start knocking on the door and things go south. And then the following thing happens. Sam, just go back to your room for a second, please. I said urgently. What about me? said a second voice. David Michael? I asked. Yeah, Christy, I have to go. Use your own bathroom, I said. He and Karen and Andrew and Emily share a bathroom. This one's closer. All right. I heaved an enormous sigh. Then I opened the door and strode into the hall. My brothers, each wearing a t-shirt and sweatpants, were leaning against the wall with their arms crossed. When Sam got a look at me, his eyes bugged out. David Michael's mouth dropped open. Wrong holiday, Christy, said Sam. Christmas is coming, not Halloween. (laughs) (laughs) David Michael didn't say anything. He just ran into the bathroom laughing. (laughs) Good. Slay, corpus. Slay, Slay, porpoise. Uh Uh-oh. Yeah, slay, slay porpoise. Porpoise is coming for you, Christy. Drag her, porpoise. (laughs) We'll work on another title for this segment. I had a Slavius Porpoise too. Did you week. like that? Yeah, I liked it it's a lot. Very, it's one of the. Yeah. I think it's one of the best burns we've ever had in these novels. <laughs> um, Your Honor, while we're here, I'm not sure if this is your jurisdiction. Uh-huh. Is that the right yep. word? But I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed, and I was wondering if I could approach okay, the well, But don't give away that. That's why. Oh, sorry. I'm feeling emotionally. Let the court know, stenographers, I hope you're capturing this, that I'm feeling emotionally strong and virile and up for anything, and I am not feeling tears welling up. So I'm just going to quickly approach the bench. Would you like to have a serious legal discussion? A quiet conversation with the the judge about some legal matters, and I'm definitely not going to cry. Very good. Please... Uh, Your Honor, may I approach the bench? bench. Okay. Your Honor, now that we're here kind of quietly talking, I want to admit that I am feeling emotionally overwhelmed by something I read in this book, and I was hoping to read it to you. Yeah. No, please. What's your name? My name is District Attorney um, Stefano... Stefanovich. Of course. I should have known that. I should have read the brief. I'm 
Judge yep. Celine Dion. And you're Celine Dion? Okay. Your Honor? Mm. <clears throat> so I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed by this passage mm. in Babysitter's Club Super Special Number 7, Snowbound. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Jeff Schaefer, mm. trapped in the air all night, gets rerouted to Washington, D.C. To, also, by the way, Jeff Schaefer very relatably has developed a severe phobia of flying. Yeah. Gets trapped in the air all night, gets rerouted to D.C., gets sent back to Connecticut in the morning. After breakfast, Mom and I waited. I went to the restroom and tried to wash up and make myself look presentable. I watched snow plows clear the runways. I played with Carter and his brothers. At 11.15, Mom and I were among the crowd of people pressed against the windows, watching the arrival of the plane that should have arrived 15 hours earlier. Everyone cheered as the plane touched down. Then we moved to the gate to greet the passengers as they left the plane. Jeff, with his personal flight attendant, was the first person to enter the terminal. When he and Mom and I spotted each other, all three of us burst into tears. Jeff hugged Mom and wouldn't let go of her. I thought I would never get here, he said. I thought I would never see you. Incredibly powerful. Your Honor, maybe this is something that is particularly moving to me as someone who is a fellow... Aerophobe? Someone who's afraid of flying, deathly afraid of flying. And every time we land and I walk out of the plane, I think, this is a blessing. You know what's fucking a bad side of that that I probably shouldn't tell you? What? Yeah. So the way this actually works probably is that there are an infinity of possible worlds. And the version of you that is you is the version of you that has survived everything. Sure. So in a vast number of the possible worlds, you died in that plane. No. Don't think that this is not something I've considered, because I have. And can I admit something to you that's very real? I carry a single... D20 with uh, me every time I fly. It's a D&D reference. And before babies. I get on the yeah. flight, I roll mm. it five times. <laughs> and if I get 20 yeah. five times in yeah. a row, I will know that I am in the timeline in which okay. this plane crashes and I die. So you have thought about this. Yes. Okay. But if I manage to roll the dice five times and don't get 25 times yeah. in a row... I think this is one of the times where I think I'm going to But there's nothing you can do for all those other tanners who did die. They're not my concern. They are your concern because at one point they were you. They're not my concern because they're not the prime No, they're not the prime you. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad you've thought that through. Do you not carry a single D20 and roll it five times to see if you have a chance of surviving I am supremely confident that I'm the prime me. Okay. I wish I had (laughs) confidence. (laughs) Yeah. But but the difference is... That I genuinely worry about all the other me's. I I grieve for them. I fear for them. I can't. I can't just. I can't carry that. I'm already worried about prime me. Yeah. You know, I can't worry about beta me and delta me yeah. and sigma yeah. me. Well, I'm glad we had this talk. May I approach the bench? 
<clears throat> yes, I am the right and honorable judge, Charles Barkley. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> the the last judge was somebody who's like sings a lot of emotional songs that make you cry, uh-huh. which kind of really fit. <laughs> You're just a basketball player. Yeah. <laughs> and you are? Uh, I'm District Attorney Leonard Cohen. Okay. Um, there's this moment in this novel. We haven't dwelled on this as much as I would have liked to. The Stacy gets trapped in a frozen car arc of the story is genuinely terrifying and intense. And she and her mom have this incredible bonding moment. It's like fairly soon after the divorce. And they have this incredible bonding moment where they grow to understand each other in a moment of crisis. And this is how that starts. At first, the thought that we were in great danger was so stunning that my mom and I couldn't even talk to each other. We sat stiffly in our seats. Mom left the car running so the heater and the headlights could stay on. I tried desperately to figure out where we were and then realized it didn't matter. Unless we were positive we were near a house or some sort of shelter, we would be foolish to try to walk anywhere. I gazed out the window. The sky continued to fling handfuls of snow onto our car. It wasn't even pretty. It was wild and angry and unreasonable. Mom turned into her seat and sighed. The first sound either of us had made in more than ten minutes. I'm sorry, honey, she said. I found that moment very powerful. It is very powerful. This is a mother who is so certain that she and her daughter are about to die. And just apologizing. Yeah. Um, okay. Okay, what? That feels like a lot of good discussion about the okay. book. Very quickly, new Wandering Frog mechanic for anyone who's still playing and paying yeah. attention. It's called Crumple. Oh, Jesus. Crumple is in- incredible. Read up about Crumble. It was both scary and interesting. But I now I see it in the context of being a Wandering Frog mechanic. Um, it makes a lot of sense. Yep. Hello, Marianne, silly Billy, goo goo, cried Claire, running downstairs and wrapping her arms around Marianne's legs. Claire was followed by her brother, Nikki, who's eight. Crumble, Nikki ordered, and Claire let go of Marianne and dropped to her hands and knees, tucking her head to her chest. What are they doing? Marianne whispered to me. Nikki told Claire he has a special power over her. Anytime he tells her to crumble, she has to hit the floor no matter where she is or what she is doing. Interesting. Nikki says he has this power forever and that years from now at Claire's wedding, he's going to wait until she's walking down the aisle and then he's going to whisper crumble to her. I think this is clearly a wandering frog mechanic. Mm. I think this is the nuclear option in wandering frog. When there is no other recourse, when you know that the wandering frog is coming towards you yeah, and there's nothing you can do, you have this one mulligan, one lifetime mulligan. You say crumble. You say crumble. Yeah. And the person who's delivering you the frog must crumble. That's great. So they don't even have to present it necessarily. You see somebody coming towards you and you think they may have a wandering frog. You say crumble. If they have a wandering frog, they crumble. They can't, they can't plan it on you. They can't do anything to you. But you know what? This is the nuclear option. Even if you see it, even if they have it in their hand and they're approaching right. you, you say crumble. Right. 
and it essentially nullifies the entire transaction. That's powerful. They need to try right. again. They need to start from zero. I like that a lot. Like, good job. This There was a lot of planning that went into this wandering frog delivery, yeah. but I've nullified it by crumbling. What happens if I mail it? If I mail a wandering frog to you, can you say it to the mailman? I think yeah. you could. Okay. And I think, Jack, now, it's been a while since we've updated the leaderboard. Who's currently losing and who's currently winning Wandering Frog? Tanner put a Wandering Frog in my beer fridge when he was last When I was in Austin. And then when we were talking on the phone later, he was like, oh, man, I wish I'd thought to put a Wandering Frog in your house, but I forgot. And he threw me off guard. But then you got too impatient and you kept being like, don't you want another beer? (laughs) Yeah, because you were taking it like you stopped drinking beer for a while. Because you said it was giving you indigestion. Because yeah, I'm old. And you were just drinking wine. Yeah. And I was just like, oh man, wouldn't a beer be really refreshing right but now? But I did, I did find one and it was in my beer fridge and I have the frog and you're going to find it and you better start yelling crumble through the mail slot, brother. <laughs> that won't even stand out in Brooklyn. So an interesting new mechanic. Like all the other people yelling shit through their mail slot. Baby, super babies, please incorporate it into your own games of Wandering Frog. Yeah. This is a big yeah. one. Tanner, let's... I desperately need to go walk my dog. Like, He's full of Okay, pee. fine. He needs to make sure it. Let's leave, Tanner. Yes. Um, We're going to go. We're going to go now. Super Babies, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I hope you like us. Uh, and if you do, please take a moment to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. It means the world to us when you do. I like to read the reviews. If you haven't done it, please take just a quick moment to do it. It really helps our show to rise in the rankings and stay relevant. If you really, really like us, please buy our merch, bit.ly slash BSCC merch. It's mostly designed by Baby B. John, who has recently been challenging me to games of Super Smash Brothers Ultimate. Super Babies, if any of you want to play me or Baby B. John in Super Smash Brothers Ultimate, let me know. Very well. Super Babies, this week we read a book that was called Super Special Number 7, Snowbound. Next week we're going to be reading... Well, next week we're probably going to be doing a pilot episode. Next week we're definitely doing a pilot. But the next time we read a Super Special, which will be soon, we're going to be reading a little book called Super Special Number 8, Babysitters at Shadow Lake. Now, Anne is just (laughs) repeating herself because we've already had... This was already a repeat of snow. She's escalating. The last one was, the winter vacation was snow, but it was all that it did was cause bus crashes. This snow like almost bound them for an eternity of cold and death. Okay, I guess that's true. Last time they went to a lake and it was scary and there were murderers on the loose. Who the fuck knows what's going to happen at Shadow Lake? It's too scary to think about. I'm glad we have a week off. To prepare ourselves mentally and physically. This week, Super Babies, I have been Jack Alexander Shepard. My name is Tanner Greenring. Take your dream horse through that maze. Nope. (laughs) Super Babies, I I say this and I mean it, but I can't say it enough. And I really need you to pay attention to it this time. Have fun. Okay. Indiscriminate fun? Yes. Without any concern about my own safety or the safety of others? And be careful. Okay. Good night. That sounds less fun. Well, have a careful fun.
I love you. I kiss you. I was last night was the major media company holiday party. Yeah. And I didn't go because it was my wife's birthday. Happy birthday, Jamie. My wife. Um, I was telling everyone that they should stick to schedule one drugs, thinking like, oh, those are the fun party drugs. Yeah. I'm telling on my everyone on my team who was going to the holiday party, like Oh, so just being a good responsible boss. Right. Like everyone have fun tonight, make yes. good choices, and stick to schedule one drugs. Yeah. yeah. And then I looked it up and schedule one drugs are all the worst drugs. Oh, no. <laughs> so everybody's like doing crocodile and like <laughs> and like bath salts and shit. And it's like, no, wait, that's not what I meant. I meant fun party drugs. That was a headgum podcast. <laughs>